0: It's Friday, March 3rd, and welcome to another episode of The Ben Jarofsky Show. Brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, so much more. Columns from Ben Jarofsky, bonus interviews from Ben Jurowski. It's all available at ChicagoReader.com, people. How many times do I gotta tell you, ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jurofsky, that's J-O-R-A-V is in victory, S-K-Y.
1: Hello again, everybody, Ben Jirofsky here. We're calling this chess game friday and here's why because the chess game has begun ladies and gentlemen the political chess game has begun in the mayor's race yes tuesday was round one we all know there's a round two actually i don't know if we know there's a round two this is something interesting i can't remember where i read this because i've been just like absorbing i've been non-stop talking and reading politics uh for like the last two weeks i can't remember where i heard or said anything so i apologize if i'm not giving the person credit because i always like to give writers credit because no one's like not to get credit uh i just can't remember it may have been a sometimes i just don't remember but they were talking about the low voter oh black club i think it was black club they were talking about the low voter voter turnout uh and one of the explanations is that people did not know there was an election (laughs) i'm sorry i'm i don't mean to laugh at people uh, people did not know there was an election. Now, uh, my distinguished guest today is Rachel Hinton, uh, invest- uh, investigative reporter, Better Government Association. Before that, political reporter Chicago Sun-Times. And Rachel and I, we, we're we about, I don't know, 30 years apart in age, a lot more, maybe more than that. But I recognize something in Rachel that's in me, a political geek. And the notion and I'm, I, I don't know if I'm speaking for Rachel and I'm speaking for myself, the notion that someone could go through life and not know that Tuesday was a mayor election, it's like, my head I just like, are you kidding me? I mean, I don't care if you're, if you're MAGA, you know, you love Paul Ballas or, you know, if you're a lefty, you love Brandon Johnson, I mean, you should know that there's enough freaking political I know, I know, I sound horrible, I know I'm going down that road again, like when there was the Patrick Daley Thompson trial and he was uh, sentenced and the juror would get an interview and she was 30 year old woman from the suburbs. And she said she had never heard of the dailies until she was a juror. I'm like, how could you go through life in Chicago suburbs and not know who the dailies are? So yes, I'm a political geek. I admit it. Uh, and uh, I think Rachel Hinton, she's nodding, she's a political geek too. We do not understand how someone cannot know there was an election. Uh, Sometimes
2: you just want to shake
1: people. I like,
2: what do you mean? What are you talking about,
1: (laughs) Rachel? You're way too young to be like, oh, these kids today, but um, that's kind of where I come from on this thing, and so anyway, so yes, there will be an April 4th runoff, and yes. Uh, The gamesmanship has already begun, Um, and so it's time for an oh-what-a-week wrap-up, and I'm really happy to say uh, Rachel Hinton is joining me. Welcome back, Rachel. You're here, I think, about, I forget when. It was after, somewhere after the last election, the general election. So um, now we're going to switch from state politics to Chicago politics. I'm going to open with this endorsement season. Uh, Jesse White. Secretary of State, Jesse White, endorsed uh, Paul Vallis. That was uh, significant because as soon as I saw that, I go, Walter Burnett is right behind. It's usually a package deal. Walter Burnett is the protege of Jesse White. Uh, Jesse White led him into politics. They all come ultimately from the George Dunn 42nd Ward political organization. Burt Nateris was the alderman back in the day. I'm going way back, ladies and gentlemen. But that's where they got their start. And now Walter Burnett is his oh man. I can't believe so much time has gone by. He's now the senior alderman. I cannot believe this, Rachel Hinton. He's the senior alderman in the city council. Time flies. But he's still very much connected uh, to Jesse White. When Jesse White came out with that endorsement, I said, it's just a matter of time before Walter does. Boom. One 24-hour cycle later, uh, Mick Dunkey breaks the news at BGA. Shout out. Uh, excuse me, BGA. BGA. Uh, Black Club, shout out, Mick, uh, that uh, Walter Burnett is going to be endorsing Paul Vallis. They're going to have some kind of press conference tomorrow. Uh, I believe, and get your thoughts on this, I believe that the significance of Walter Burnett's endorsement and Jesse White's endorsement is not so great in black precincts, but in white precincts. And it's because Paul Vallis was largely a white candidate in the first round he was like i i wrote he was the great white hope uh and so paul Vallis very much wants to avoid a 1983 repeat where he's bernie Epton uh running uh to save chicago from the black man even if that's what a lot of white people think uh he doesn't want to give that appearance so it's very important that he have black allies with him uh to sort of assure white people that they're not racists if they vote for Paul Vallis. That is my been living in Chicago since 1981 sense of what's going on here. Your thoughts.
2: I think that's probably true. Um, I think that, you know, some white people, white, white voters will be able to breathe a sigh of relief uh, in, in voting for Paul Vallis. But I also think that having Jesse White, who is an immensely popular politician, former politician, I guess, um, and you know, Alderman Burnett come along and, and endorse him will allow for some black voters To begin thinking about voting for Paula Vallis. Um, I think, you know, when you think about crime and you think about, you know, the neighborhoods where that's happening and um, even like investments, you know, like uh, Invest Southwest, I I read somewhere, I think Alice Yin at the Tribune tweeted out that Burnett is saying, look, politics is business. Business isn't about feelings, it's not racial, it's about who can get stuff done. And to win here, we need to keep doing the stuff that Lightfoot was doing, which includes Invest Southwest and includes, you know, trying to bring these developments to areas that haven't seen development. Um, I, I think that speaking like that and talking about issues that are really important to the voters that Lightfoot did get on Tuesday can really help Vallis make inroads and potentially win come April 4th. Um obviously, like, you know, they have many weeks to figure out that game plan. This is chess, not checkers. You need to think so many steps ahead. Um, you know, this is like a training day of, of sorts for these these uh candidates, but um I think we're gonna have to see what the game plan, what the ground game is really like too. You know, whatever press conference they might do tomorrow, you know, it should also come with hitting churches, hitting, you know, not cookouts per se, but getting Paul Vallis out there in front of people to answer for his faux pas and missteps instead of trying to hide them back um behind Jesse White or Alderman Burnett.
1: Well, that's uh his misstatements. Uh, on the issue of critical race theory, the quotes are coming out about the interview he did in Wirepoint 2021. The first, uh, Shia Kapos broke the first quote. Uh, and then I I remember listening, because of Shia uh, uh, linking to the interview, I remember listening to the interview and talking about it in the air, I'm like, oh my God, the thing he said about white parents is not as bad as the thing he said about black parents. And so what what Paul Ballas was doing, he was engaged in a conversation uh, in 2021 uh, where he was talking about critical race theory, uh, and he said that, uh I'm, I'm doing my best to paraphrase this, Rachel, uh, so part of the problem with teaching uh, the history of race relations uh, to children uh, in the public schools is that uh, white kids will hear the uh, history, the sordid history of America uh, on a matter of race and turn against their parents. And they'll... It, <laughs> I'm not making this up. This is what the man said. And I'll be like <laughs> no. and, and and I I could literally read it to you, but I think I'm doing a pretty good job of paraphrasing it. Uh and so I called it won't eat the broccoli reaction. And so in other words, they'll rebel against their parents. They'll be so outraged that their parents tolerated uh Jim Crow that they just won't want to listen to him. And so I say, Well, I guess they won't eat their broccoli when their parents tell them. Uh and then the next he said it's also bad for uh, black people because when kids hear about uh, what their parents endured and like Jim Crow again, et cetera, and so forth, they'll lose respect for their black parents for not having defied Jim Crow. Uh, and the next thing you know, they'll be uh, committing cr- street crime because they'll be so hopeless and so angry, though. It's like just they'll be committing street crime. Mm-hmm. Utterly, in my humble opinion, this is me speaking, ludicrous statements. Uh, and Brandon Johnson raised it. Paul Vallis said, I don't want to talk about that. You know, I'm, I'm going to deal with the issues. So I think that's sort of what you're getting at when you talk about missteps, faux pas.
2: That and then uh, the Twitter account, the likes of, uh, I believe, both racist as well as just like rude things about Mayor Lightfoot. Um, He initially said like he had no idea. I think he and then that changed to we're going to investigate how this happened. And then it was my account was hacked. Um, So he's going to have to answer for those those tweets. And if your account was actually hacked, um, how did that happen and what are you going to do about it? Um, but I, I think voters are going to have a lot of questions about him, both in terms of you know the wire points, comments that he made, the, the critical race theory, uh, Black parents versus, versus white parents comments, um, as well as his time as CPS CEO. Um, I believe the Philadelphia Inquirer in the days leading up to um, the election did a, a look at his time there as, as CEO of their school district and said that, you know, it was kind of a mixed bag. He said that he left and, and test results were up. Um, I think officials there said that, yeah, sure. Like some things are good. Some things were kind of bad when he left. He, he left kind of in a mess. He left in a hurry. Um, and I don't know that he's really answered for that here. I think the Tribune did, did something kind of similar to that where they tried to take him to task for it or get him to answer questions. And I think his response was largely, I don't remember that person or I don't know what you're talking about or I did a good job. But those issues aren't aren't going to go away.
1: Yeah, shout out Greg Pratt. He's the one from the Tribune who broke the story about hacking, uh, or well, hacking about the uh, email. Uh, excuse me, the Facebook account uh, where Paul Vallis' Facebook account uh, was uh, liking really controversial statements, and then Paul Vallis later said it was. Uh, hacked. Uh, uh, back to the uh, the whole issue of endorsement. Right before uh, we went on the uh, uh, air or started doing this recording, I should say, uh, Kelly Cassidy, State Representative Kelly Cassidy from the North Side of Chicago, frequent guest on the show, what up, Casey, uh, came out with an endorsement for Brandon Johnson. Uh, Kelly had been a big time supporter of Lori Lightfoot. I do interviews with her from time to time, these virtual interviews, uh, Rachel, that's what we do these days. Uh, and so she would be sitting in her apartment or condo, whatever it is, in Rogers park, wherever she lives. And in the backdrop, there was uh, a big uh, image, like a cardboard cutout image of Lori Lightfoot. That's how much she likes Lori Lightfoot. Uh, she was big time supporter of Lori Lightfoot. Of course, Lori Lightfoot, uh, was uh, unsuccessful. We'll get into that a little bit. Uh, but, um, what do you think the significance of that is? I'm mulling that one over. Uh Kelly uh, Cassidy uh, endorsing uh, Brandon Johnson. Do you think there's any chance that that suggests that Lori Lightfoot might endorse Brandon Johnson? Or you think they're just two independent things in the universe?
2: I think they're two independent things. I think they're going to they're Lightfoot was. Going after him really hard, especially in those last days of the campaign. Um, I I don't really see her coming out and saying, "Hey, remember all those things I said about him? <laughs> uh, forget about it. Go vote for him." Mm-hmm. But I mean, I could be wrong. I didn't think she was going to come out on election night and say and, and concede. I thought we were going to have to wait a little bit to see you know how the mail in ballots are coming in. Um, and she she came out like as I was thinking that, and I think on WGN, as a woman was saying, "Oh, I don't I don't know if she's going to come out tonight." She was coming out, and they were switching the camera. Immediately or switching the feed to her saying, you know, I'm going to concede. I called both Johnson and Vallis. You know, this is it for me. Thanks for your support. So, I mean, anything's possible. (laughs) Strange bedfellows are are very likely in politics, sometimes a little too likely. Um, But this isn't one that I see, I guess.
1: Uh, Do you see there any possibility that Lori Lightfoot would endorse Paul Vallis?
2: I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, similar. She was going after him hard, pretty too, uh, pretty hard too. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So no, I, I, I guess my thought is that she'll stay out. She'll just, you know, continue to be the mayor uh, until, you know, it's time for her to pack up and then that's it. Basically. I don't know that we're going to see her endorse in this.
1: Well, uh, so here's some of just the Paul Vallis has completely shored up the MAGA vote for what it's worth uh, he's won endorsements from people like, um, oh, uh, I'm doing this off the top of my head, Charlie Kirk, John Cass, Darren Bailey. <laughs> Darren, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to laugh, but he has Darren <laughs> Bailey's endorsement. Uh, well, he's got the hellhole vote there. Remember when he, Darren Bailey, last time you we are in the show, we did hey, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It comes well. yeah. Uh, I believe he, Anita Alvarez may have endorsed him or showed up at his. Uh, uh, is election night, uh, party, uh, and Gary Big Mac McCarthy, uh, speaking of a name for the past, uh, showed up at the party. So those are some of the people, uh, that have stepped up for, um, uh, Paul Vallis. And he's also just, as we said, Jesse White and Walter Burnett. Uh, and, uh, I'm going to throw some names out there at you and get your uh, thoughts because, Endorsements, you know, you don't know how powerful they are, what coattails they bring. I know they give momentum to a campaign and they make uh, the people who really support the candidate feel good. Uh, but uh, I don't know how many votes they actually turn. But I'm going to name some names that have the potential uh, to change some votes. And uh, you tell me what you think of well, a discussion. There's going to be three names I'm going to name. So we already talked to Lori Lightfoot. So that would be the fourth. Here we go. Jesus Garcia. Does he endorse anyone or does he stay out?
2: I could see him endorsing, but I think it's going to take some time. Uh, Who he goes for, I guess, would be my big question. I could see him going for Brandon Johnson because, you know, Chewy was saying that he's a a progressive, Um, you know, and those Cook County board ties, I think, go back pretty far, pretty deep. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I I don't don't quote me on that, and I I might be wrong, but I, I think he would come out for Brandon Johnson.
1: I agree. i I mean, again, I, I know this is Chicago, so anything can happen. Be very surprised if uh, Garcia comes out for Vallis. Uh, it's either in my humble opinion. I'm with you, Johnson or nobody at all. All right, yeah. here we go. Uh, uh, Governor Pritzker. do you think he endorses anyone or stays out?
2: I think he will probably endorse two. And I also could see him going for Johnson, given the stuff that they that the legislature has passed, the things that he personally is for. Um, I could see him coming out for Johnson. But I could also see him maybe staying out of it. Like, he needs to have a good relationship with whoever is running the city. You know, you don't want to endorse in a race, and then that comes back to bite you later on. Um, you know, and then you're, you're at loggerheads with the mayor of the biggest city in your state. You know, what are your thoughts?
1: I I don't see... God, I could be wrong. Horrible. Every time I start to say this, I go. I think about where you know what
2: I mean. Yeah, you think about in like a month's time. There's
1: no like no absolutes anymore. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But having said that, Rachel, I can't see Governor Pritzker endorsing Paul Vallis. I, um, I in some ways. I thought oh, Jesse White is a signal and maybe J.B. Pritzker is right behind him. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. they're very closely aligned. And I believe they both One um,
2: for Valencia, I Valencia, think, right? Anna yeah. Valencia.
1: Yeah. In the uh, uh, secretary In the of state race. Uh, a lot of good that did her. But uh, <laughs> she finished <laughs> second. Yes. Yeah. Um, I just I don't know. You know, the um, uh, when J.B. ran the first time around, the left uh, part of the Democratic Party was not for him. Hmm. The lefties uh, were just very hesitant to support him. Uh, They just didn't know where he was coming from and they didn't trust the fact that he was a billionaire. I remember this rhetoric. And then he just won over the left, I believe in his uh, first two years with his, as you just pointed out, a string of initiatives that worked to the left of center, uh, legalizing, reefer, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, And then the uh, the bail reform uh, legislation that he took so much abuse for. So all of that is for the left of center Uh, and to turn around after with that as a backdrop uh, that has really transformed your identity nationwide from what you were when you first ran a billionaire. Nobody knew uh, that you just assumed you were a centrist to uh, someone on the left. Uh, or even if it's pragmatic leftist to vote to endorse the guy who was endorsed by Charlie Kirk and John Cass and Darren Bailey, you know what I'm saying? I yeah. just I, that's going to hurt. I would that would hurt JB Pritzker's brand uh, going forward. So I, I don't. I am. I'm with you. I don't see. I don't see him endorsing Paul Ballas. But you know they're 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 grown ups. When it's all over, they could. You know how it goes in politics, yeah. Rachel? Right? So you just...
2: You deal with it. You deal with, you the deal with it as an adult.
1: Yeah, you deal with it. And, uh, so for... Okay, so here's the last one, and then we'll get to what's on your mind. Uh, Barack Obama. Does he, he endorse out. anybody?
2: I think he'll sit out on this one. Um, I guess I view Obama as more of a centrist Democrat. Um, so not necessarily... I don't, I don't know that he would be for the defund the police rhetoric that Brandon Johnson has put forward, even though given what, Bron, what Johnson is saying there, I think really he's saying we need to consider where we're putting our funds and devote more of that to community services like mental health stuff, um, mental health services, uh, making sure that there's a first responder who can respond to those mental health crises rather than sending a police officer. I, I just don't know that Obama wants to wade in on, on this issue. Um, again, I could be wrong. I, I very well could be wrong. But I don't I don't know that he would come out for Brandon Johnson um, because of you know some of the things that have already been said on the the campaign trail. And I don't think he would go for Vallis either because of some of the names that you just mentioned. Um, that would also mess with his brand. You know, of like he's a, a very well liked, beloved former president. Um, why get mired in local politics when you can remain above it and continue to try to like smooth over, you know, the Obama presidential center and get people to support that and pay attention to that rather than, you know, who you voted for or backed in a mayoral election.
1: Yeah, I'm. I agree with you. Uh, He did get mired in Chicago politics in 2015 when he endorsed Rahm Emanuel. But Rahm was his guy in many ways. Uh, Rahm allowed himself to be kicked out of the White House to become mayor. Think about that. He got got kicked out of the White House. We don't want you around here anymore. But guess what? Why don't you go become mayor of the city of Chicago?
2: Yeah, we'll support that bid. Don't worry.
1: Um, There was a, uh, a, a local referendum. This is really going into the weeds here. Uh, an advisory uh, question on the ballot in certain precincts in the fifth West ward. ward. Yeah. yeah. and About uh, the community <laughs> benefits agreement. Well, what yeah. geek. I, We didn't even go over this. <laughs> Rachel Hitt knew about this. Okay. Yeah, this well,
2: overwhelmingly is in these precincts. geekdom,
1: ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so uh, one of the uh, the supporters of that uh, sent me the results, uh, shout out Dixon. And um, it was overwhelming for could be i mean it was just like
2: like 87 92 percent yeah like yeah they want a community benefits agreement yeah South Shore. i'm pretty sure yeah. it's south shore those precincts um yeah. i don't have the precincts committed to memory but I, I do generally know where they're what they're talking about but i think there was another um memorandum or whatever i think actually for south shore like maybe they're separate but or maybe they're the same i don't know but also calling for a community benefits agreement or affordable housing. I think there were two, one for a CBA, one for affordable housing, yeah. but yeah. So, so that's well that, what he has to deal with. That, yeah.
1: And so Obama, I mean, you get what I'm saying? Like Obama's not for a CBA. Okay. He has personally said that. Uh, he doesn't want to have to make any guarantees and put it in paper. Uh, and so he's, that's a kind of issue that Brandon Johnson would be championing. Uh, so, there's an ideological divide right there that might keep Barack Obama from having anything to do with Brandon Johnson, and in fact, probably somewhere in the back of his mind would want Brandon Johnson not to be elected. If you follow what I just said, that was kind of convoluted. Uh, <laughs> in order to just because there's just no way in the world Paul Vallis is going to support a community benefit agreement for uh, people in South Shore, and would I don't see it coming any in a million years against Barack Obama, so. That could be when you, when you were talking. I'm like, that is kind of the getting involved in Chicago politics in a way that mm, Barack Obama may not uh, want. I will, I just have to point out before we get to what's on your mind uh, for the longest time, Peter Cunningham, who was uh, a speechwriter for Arnie Duncan, he comes on the show. Uh, he's sort of my, my connection to mainstream Chicago, uh, Rachel. And Peter. He and Arnie were talking defund the police without saying defund the police. Like they would come on, Peter would come on the show and talk about how our old tactics have not worked with policing. Just yeah. hiring more cops, we don't even know like how many cops do we need. He, he would. This is how P, PC. If he comes on the show next week, he will say this, or I don't know if he'll say this now in the in the middle of a campaign. But he yeah. said this, and Arnie Duncan was saying this too. So in many ways. Arnie Duncan, who is one of uh, Barack Obama's top allies and friends, yeah, Yeah. is Doris's is closer to Brandon Johnson on this subject than he is to Paul Ballas. You know, it's one of those strange Chicago—I don't know what to call it—quirks.
2: Yeah. it's all about so, wording, you know, wording and messaging, especially when you're in a campaign, I think. But like, you know, I think when people hear defund the police, and as we've seen, they're like, whoa, like we can't, our crime is up. We can't defund the police. But I think when you get at the root of what that means, I think more people would be supportive of that, or at least understanding of it, you know, like, oh, well, we need to actually support communities. We need to support community services. We need to make sure there's jobs. We need to make sure our schools are good. We need to blah, 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 and so on and so forth. I think People might understand that a little bit better, or or at least be more able or more ready to hear that rather than I think defund the police right now, um, especially in the city given all the stuff that's going on. I think that might be a little harder.
1: Yeah, defund the police is a ter- is a phraseology that's going nowhere fast. Uh, all right. Uh, so when I asked you what was on your mind, immediately. You said a Lori Lightfoot. Oh, okay. uh, so take it away, Rachel, your thoughts on Lori Lightfoot.
2: I've just been trying to consume everything I can on what the heck happened. Um, it's one of those, like to go from winning every ward, I think even Tony Preckwinkle's ward, although maybe not her precinct last time in what, 2019 to Coming in third in an election when you you're the you're the sitting mayor, um, you have the name recognition. She had struggles with money, with like you know trying to match the amount of money that was coming in for some of the other candidates. But you know she's she's a sitting mayor, and, and this hasn't happened in my lifetime. So I immediately was like, well, what is this like? I knew it was like Jane Byrne because I'm a nerd. Uh, I, I love reading <laughs> these sorts of things. I also knew it was like Bolandic. Um, and then I wanted to understand why this happened, you know. So election night, I was watching the WGN election coverage. They had, you know, a group of, of former aldermen who are now retired. Uh, Alderman Michelle Smith, who used to represent the 43rd Ward, said many wounds in politics are self-inflicted. And I feel like that you can, you can, you know, say she's pugilistic. You can use whatever big words you want to use, but ultimately she shot herself in the foot or in the hand like alderman Derek curtis i guess um <laughs> no just kidding <laughs> she'll be
1: at zadies next week ladies and gentlemen sorry rachel
2: <laughs> um so i i think that ultimately that's what what happened here i mean looking at everything that she could have done differently i feel like she ultimately stood in her own way um she ran a completely not not she ran on so many things that people really wanted to hear in 2019. Transparency, um, you know, an elected school board. That's one of the things I think of. Um, Collaboration, uh, bringing in the light. And I think across the board, she just kind of failed on those things. I mean, one of the big ones going back, like reading these articles, was trying to stem gun violence and trying to figure out how we can stop this. And she just didn't, it didn't materialize and I think some of that's not her fault you know she was dealt a tough hand I mean how do you deal with a pandemic you know you, you can't predict that that's going to happen you can't predict what's what that's going to do or the civil unrest that happened after George Floyd uh, was killed in, in Minneapolis by a police officer but you can respond differently you can try to collaborate or you know reach out to people and, and try to work together and I think ultimately that was the problem um or at least from the things I've read that seems to be one of the main ones is you know she had a a closed fist approach not an open hand approach I think uh I think that was in the Sun Times a couple days ago David Axelrod was talking about that um yeah I just like every story that comes out I'm like why like yeah tell me tell me why this happened um and even on election night you know that was one of the things I I immediately thought of was People are mad, you know, you can't run on something and then turn your back on it, you know. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I, um, on
1: that? Oh, my God, that uh, – well, my neat, my first reaction, my first response to election, when I took a look, uh, election night results, when I took a look at the results and uh, parsed it, put it together with her campaign, where her campaign settled. And the way her campaign settled those last two weeks – was a direct appeal to black voters that we cannot allow uh, 1989 to happen all over again in 1989 was when the divided black community uh, was divided. And the result was Richard M. Daly getting elected to fill out Harold Washington's term. And then he stayed in office forever. Uh, He'd still be mayor if he just didn't get so tired of the job. So (laughs) that was an appeal, a late appeal. I think it, to some degree, it had success. The reason it didn't have enough success to put her over the top and get her in the runoff is because Willie Wilson ran and why, and Willie Wilson got 20% of the vote in the black ward uh, approximately. And why did Willie Wilson run? Because Lori Lightfoot, rejected him from the moment did not return his calls did not show him respect i can't when i think about this rachel i just like what an unforced error it's what just an inexplicable bumble move yeah he should have been put on a board immediately yeah i don't we're call him in which board would you like to serve on, Dr. Wilson? You're a businessman, you know. What what do you want to be on? You want to be on the plan commission? You know, what do you want to be on? Tell yeah, me. Yeah. You know, and here's my number. I will call you. You call me with anything, I'll answer your call. He did her a favor in 2019 by endorsing her, taking her around to churches. And I just, Rachel, I'm sitting there going, I I, I mean, I can't even get the words out just forget being a politician in life. If someone helps me, I'm like, I just, you helped me once in a difficult moment. I'm like, I remember forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you helped me. Yeah. helped me when I was down and I needed it. I I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know how she could have done that. And he never forgot. And he's a millionaire. He's like, I'll kick in a million dollars, my own money just to beat you. Yeah. And I won't even beat you. You'll just lose. <laughs> and guess what happened? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I can't get, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know if it's, I said this the other day in the mic. I don't know if it's because she, you know, went to the the great colleges. She's really smart. She's book smart, corporate lawyer, University of Chicago Law School. I mean, you don't get smarter than that. Michigan, you know, and uh, Willie never graduated uh, high school. So I don't know if she like rolls her eyes at him. You know what I'm saying? I don't know.
2: I, I, yeah. I You know, well, my, I, my mom says a lot about some people have book smarts, but not like street smarts, you know, which isn't just my mom. But like that that's a common phrase of just some people y- y- you don't. I think we all know or we especially know if someone helps you, you say thank you and then you return the favor if and when you can um and, and not in a patronage kind of way but just like uh hey thanks I re- I remember that good deed that favor you did me let me try to help you out too and I I think again that comes back to her not necessarily being collaborative but being combative or you know maybe being mayor she's like she's dealing with so many different problems trying to put out so many different fires that she just didn't even think like oh I need to make sure that I get back to Willie Wilson which to me sucks but. I think to her probably made sense at the time or, or could have made sense at the time. Obviously now I'm sure she's, she's rethinking that.
1: I I, I don't know what she's thinking about it. Now, I'm, before I move on to what uh, something else on my mind, I want to, uh, one more thing about Lori Lightfoot that you said, and what, I'd love for you to elaborate and the issue of broken promises, the theme of broken promises. And I talk a lot about this on the show. I voted for Lori Lightfoot in 2019 and I always make fun of myself because the one of the main impetuses for me voting for her was an appearance she gave at the hideout, uh, Mick and I, Mick, mm-hmm. Mick Dunkey, uh, we were hosting the show together at the time. And she just sounded, it's like she said everything that <laughs> I wanted to hear on every question and what that left the audience, was mostly lefties in the audience, and uh, wanted to hear. Uh, and I remember Mick, who's younger than me, but is somehow wiser and less naive, telling me, Ben, just because she told you what you wanted to hear doesn't mean she's going to do any of it. Or something like that. <laughs> you know, and I oh, no, she wouldn't just, she must really mean it. Rachel, she did none of it. Yeah. And so does it, I mean, it does it matter? Yep, I mean, I've heard so many Chicagoans tell me that Everybody, every politician breaks their promises, but I don't know. I mean, you you got to maintain true to something,
2: yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: Am I right? Am I being naive here? Or
2: no? I mean, I think politics is a game of like give and take. Like you're going to have to compromise. You may not be able to get everything done, but I think on key issues that she came out in support of, like like police reform or the elected school board. She, it, it felt like she had one position in 2019, and then when those topics came up, she completely pivoted. She was on a completely different side, especially the elected school board. Like I covered that kind of closely when I was at the Sun Times, and going back to candidate Lightfoot and her saying, "We need an elected school board. We need to make sure that you know parents and and you know uh, other guardians or whatever people involved in schools are on these boards, telling us what we need to do to." I don't want to give up this control of the school, you know, or like, oh, we can't let these community organizers in here. They're not going to know what they're doing or whatever. Those are so different. So I think people looked at that and were like, who are you? (laughs) Who did I vote for? Um, And so I think that ultimately that's, that's why, you know, game of politics aside, I think that's maybe why people decided to go with someone different this time around. She's saying these things this time, you know, oh, please reelect me. I'm going to do this, this and this. But can you be sure that any of that's going to happen and that, you know, in a year or even six months time, she won't completely change her mind on that or, or have a new stance?
1: Could you imagine I just had she endorsed the elected school board, had she been there at the press conference when J.P. Pritzker signed the bill? Uh, what a difference that would have made in this campaign in terms of her rhetoric yeah, and think like jb one of the first things he did was uh sign on the legalizing cannabis totally transformed the state on that issue and he was proud of it when he ran in 2022 i legal you're high right now and not worried about getting
2: busted thanks to me and, yeah, uh, yeah yeah yeah, so, yeah. sorry no go ahead.
1: I'm just saying, like, I just I'm envisioning what if she's I promise you an elected school board, they couldn't deliver it. And guess what? I deliver.
2: Yeah. Something like that. Like, I think even if like with the the school, like police reforms, I think there have been many stories that have said that throughout this process, it's been hard to get the city to comply with those reforms or to be responsive. Um, I think if she had done something differently there, as well as with the elected school board. She could have come out on the campaign trail and said, look, after the shooting of Laquan McDonald, you said that you wanted more oversight of police. I really tried to make that happen. Here are the things I did to do that. Or, you know, we said we wanted more parent, uh, community organizer representation involved in schools. Here's what I did to do that. It may not have been exactly what I promised, but, I made good steps. I made like tangible steps toward that. I think it could have gone differently. There would have been more things for her to point to. I feel like instead she was, she was playing defense a lot, which is fair. I mean, not fair. I mean, it's, it's understandable because she's the sitting mayor, but I I think that there maybe wasn't as much for her to point to on those big issues that she ran on before.
1: And uh, finally there's the issue of her, uh unceasing fight with the Chicago Teachers Union. And another thing she said uh at the hideout stage, uh, we I we point blanked asked her about that because the teachers union was in with Preckwinkle in 2019 and they ran some ridiculously over-the-top commercials denouncing Lori Lightfoot. I you know you know Stacy, I love you, but I thought those commercials were crazy. And uh so I asked or maybe, I can't remember who I asked. It was probably me, uh, Lori Lightfoot. Uh, are you going to be able to put that behind you when you're mayor? And she said, absolutely. It's politics. It's... <laughs> and I'm like a dummy. I'm like, see, Mick? Sign see? Me
0: up.
1: <laughs> Mick's like, know, what man. are you, Dope? <laughs> you believe this? Uh, so, you know, looking back, you uh, you have the luxury of hindsight. Uh, looking back, just your thoughts on Mayor Lori Lightfoot's relationship with uh, Stacey Davis Gates, the Chicago Teachers Union.
2: I feel like it was unnecessarily antagonistic. I feel like there were a couple of instances, especially around, like, trying to avoid the strike, like, in those negotiations. And I heard this from some people that, like, there was one conversation happening in the room, and then... Mayor Lightfoot would go out and be like screw them I hate the CTU blah, blah 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 it's like that's not how you get things done it's not how you try to avoid a strike especially when you don't want one um, you know I, I think maybe she walked in with a grudge I mean I think it's even more than maybe she walked in with with a grudge or like hey you guys didn't support me before screw you and that really colored, or really set the tone for her relationship with them. But I don't know that that was, I don't know that, that was helpful at all for her or for CTU or or for teachers or for kids or whatever. They're a major union in your city. You have to just figure out how you're going to work with them. Um, and even if you can't work with them, and even if they do ultimately strike, I don't know that going out to the media or or talking badly about them or their leadership is going to help you in the end. Because you're still going to be dealing with the same people, you're still going to have to deal with the same union. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I uh, it's inexplicable to me, uh, and I just imagine what life would have been like uh, had she, again, I'm, you know, signed, elected school board. It's basically the same issue. Uh, had she just completely had different rhetoric from the get-go, or reached out uh, to Stacy Davis Gates embraced her. Here's my phone number. Call me anytime. This is like 101, you know? And, uh, and I think a Rahm Emanuel, who had respect for powerful people, uh, and uh, but he had no respect for the teachers union because I don't think he thought of them as a worthwhile adversary. I, I've always thought that Rahm views the left with just contempt and disdain mm. as though, oh, ultimately you have no choice but to vote for people like me So just shut up and get in line. You're so annoying, you're so unrealistic, you're so impractical, you'll never win anything. Uh then he would he would say this with a lot of F bombs thrown in there. And <laughs> and I think somehow or other uh Lori Lifewood picked some of that up. I don't know if they mm. feed that in the food to give to these mayors, you know, here, have a dose <laughs> of eight teachers. Yeah. Uh but it just I, you know, you you know, I can't imagine Lori Lightfoot treating the head of some chicago corporation with the same amount of disdain as she treated stacy davis gates similarly with willie wilson i can't imagine her treating like i don't know president of a bank or something like she treated willie wilson and yeah. I, I don't know i inexplicable to me uh but you're right what uh what uh, michelle smith and i don't agree on a lot of things when it comes to politics but we do agree on that there's just some common crazy. sense uh all right um so I'll tell you what's on my mind as well. And uh, it's partly on my mind because you put it there. Uh, and this has to do with the, future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the checks in the mail. Uh, <laughs> uh, this has to do with the future of policing in the city of Chicago. Yes. And we are at a crossroads. And when you mentioned policing to me, I thought about it and I thought oh My goodness, where we were in the summer of 2020 in the aftermath of George Floyd's murder, uh, and where we are today, and uh, I mean, it's just like separate planets. Uh, yeah, and Brandon Johnson's on the defensive, running away from the defund rhetoric. Uh, Paul Vallis is very much feeling in the moment. And saying I will make Chicago the safest city in America by hiring more police officers, and so uh, reporters are hounding uh, Brandon Johnson: Are you going to fill those vacancies? Are you, I'm laughing when I hear that, Rachel. You notice know because you're a, you also study budgets. They keep the vacancies there so they don't have to raise taxes. They have vacancies there so they can spend the money on other things. You know, you fill those vacancies. I don't know where you're going to get the money, Paul Valus. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> the games people play. Um I I don't know where we're going with this. I really, I don't know. You know, it seemed like there was that moment in 2020 where people were coming face to face with the uh notion that maybe uh our old tactics of policing were no it's time to realize they don't work. And then the riots happen and then boom. The backlash happened and boom. Hire more cops, round them up. Let's just round them up, throw them in jail. Uh, throw away the key. <laughs> yeah, throw away the key. Don't get many food. All right, maybe bread. Uh, your thoughts?
2: I think it'll be interesting to see. I mean, all of this kind of hinges on who becomes mayor. So Brandon Johnson, in, uh, in an interview with WTTW a couple days ago, said that he would invest in promoting more detectives to try to solve more crimes as well as, you know, the community things that we talked about, like when people mentioned defunding the police, what he actually means is you know, a public safety plan that does youth development stuff or youth employment, trying to get kids off the street active in, in something and something else. And I know Paul Vallis has talked about, I think they both have actually, um, keeping schools open evenings and weekends uh, for allowing for hobbies and whatnot. But I mean, David Brown resigning, and, and either of them getting to pick who their next superintendent and command staff is, I think Paul Dallas said that he would promote from within. And I think that'll be important. Um, David Brown was from Dallas. He was a retired police officer. I mean, either way, he would have had to retire. He was going to be 63 this this year, which is the mandatory retirement age. So there was going to be a change. But now it's, it's a question of, okay, who's in charge? And what do they see as what's best for the city in dealing with or, or keeping Chicago in safe, or, or trying to right this, you know, high this uh, increase in in violent crime. Um, so, I, I think ultimately it hinges on that. And right now, it's it's more a question of who's going to be on the fifth floor.
1: I um, when I saw that uh, Gary Big Mac McCarthy was at uh, Valles headquarters, I just my first thought: Oh, Valles is going to hire him for round two as a police chief. Uh, I mean, if you're going to go back in time <laughs> on policing, go back in time. Uh, I don't know. Do you think I'm really on a limb there? Do you think there's a possibility that uh, Paul Bows would hire Gary McCarthy?
2: I don't, I don't think that he would hire Gary McCarthy. Gary McCarthy was the police chief during the Laquan McDonald period of time, right? That is correct. That is right. So I, do you want that? Do you want that name association to come back? Like I don't I don't think so. Um I think Paul Vallis will probably find somebody from within who he can feel confident in, you know. I don't I don't think he's gonna say like throw them all against the wall and <laughs> you know, cuff them and stop and frisk and all that stuff. Like part of me, and this might be the naive part of me, wants to believe that we have moved away from that. We're trying to move away from that kind of policing. And I don't know that Paul Vallis wants a Laquan McDonald. On his conscience and as a stain on his potential mayoral, you know, tenure. So I, I think he'll, he'll approach this differently. Um, but I, I don't think that'll be Gary McCarthy. Who it ends up being, I don't know. Like they, mm-hmm. they could be similar. They could be cut from the same cloth. Um, I couldn't tell you, you know, who that person might be. Um, but I, I think he's probably going into it thinking about that, you know, not wanting an unforced error in that regard.
1: Yeah. Uh, I was just so surprised to see Gary McCarthy there. And, uh, and then Anita Alvarez, I'm like, what
2: the <laughs> blast from the past. Yeah. I
1: mean, this is the Juan <laughs> McDonald past. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, it's really, the, it's the, the whole issue of how the videotape in the Juan McDonald case, uh, that's, that's where, you know, ultimately Rahm Emanuel, Anita Alvarez and, uh, Gary McCarthy, uh, that's where they're most vulnerable, I think, because, i mean it's how the city reacted responded to evidence of a murder and they concealed the evidence of the murder while they said an investigation was going on and i think most Chicagoans concluded there was no investigation going on they were just running out the clock and then a judge forced them to reveal the uh the uh the tape the recording of the murder of laquan mcdonald and uh, because of a freedom of information lawsuit uh, that had been filed and so uh you know, when people saw that, it was just too much for Chicago. So you're probably right. Uh, Paul Ballas, you would think, would be too smart uh, to do that. We also had police councils, first ever police council elections. What impact do you think uh, those elections will have and that council will have on policing in the city of Chicago?
2: They're supposed to be like an oversight board, and they also nominate people to a city City Council Oversight Committee or Commission, I want to say. Um, so it, it's my thought and maybe not hope, but my uh, my inkling that there will be more oversight, more questions asked of police and maybe how we police, what our policing tactics are. Um, the FOP-backed candidates, I think there were seven of maybe 17, 17 or 18 who won. Um, so, I mean, we're going to have some heavy like police fop presence on some of these boards i think for the others that's not necessarily a case or we're still maybe waiting for results um so maybe we'll see some changes in policing or we'll see changes in police tactics um but to be honest with you all of that remains to be seen this is the first time we're doing that um the the first time we've we've voted for these councils um for for people on these boards so we'll have to see like what's beneficial and what's not beneficial what changes do we need to make
1: yeah ultimately it's uh, an experiment with democracy which is always healthy for the city of chicago which is why i was for the elected school board many of the reasons one of the reasons i was for an elected school board uh, because it's like you know i, I don't know like, we are a democracy this putting all this authority uh under in the in one office in one person uh is just i don't know it's like medieval or something like that you know i just so yeah i but it is democracy you got some uh fop candidates in there you got uh some uh like from the the deform deform (laughs) that's a freudian slip (laughs) the defund uh you know the rat more radical approaches uh to policing
2: well, just trying to move on from that yeah.
1: uh, <laughs> let's just move on from the maybe we can edit that out uh nah keep it in uh so um uh yeah so yeah i, I do appreciate the fact that that's kind of going to be a diverse body uh much like I, I assume the elected school board will be a pretty diverse body as well i will not be as just teach your union reps. Trust me to be some charter school people at that table as well. Cause there's a lot of money that's going to be thrown into that. race. Oh, for sure. All right. Uh, we will close with something else that's burning on your brain. Uh, city council, some Alder. <laughs> we've been talking about the mayor's race, but there were some Aldermanic races as well. Take it away, Rachel.
2: Yeah. The fifth ward is going to see a new person for the first time in 24 years. There's a runoff between Desmond Yancey. Uh, and what's her name, Tina, Tina Hone. Um, so to me, this kind of looks like a um, community person versus a more establishment person. Hone was a member of Lightfoot's administration up until she decided to run for this position. Uh, Yancey is a senior director of the Inner City Muslim Action Network. He was in part of uh, like other public safety councils or coalitions too. Um, so I think that'll be an interesting one that I'll be watching. Um, I was also looking at some of the, uh, Lightfoot appointees who did not endorse Mayor Lightfoot. Um, one of them being Nicole Lee, who did get the endorsement of, uh, former Mayor Daly, And I think his brother, um, John Daly over on the County board. Um, she's also the daughter of a mayoral aide, a former mayoral aide herself. Um, she didn't get enough of the vote. To avoid a runoff. I think they're both around 30%. Her opponent is uh Tony Siervino. I wrote out wrote down his name, but not the pronunciation. So sorry if I messed that up. Um so that'd be something interesting to see too. He's a police officer a CAPS member. So I don't know if he's FOP backed, but you know, we're we're seeing those, those kind of fights out there in the Aldermanic, some of the Aldermanic races. Um, to replace Alderman Cardenas in the 12th ward, the uh, person appointed was actually ousted by a woman who has never run for office before. Her name is Julie Ramirez. Um, so I think I, I'm interested in her and her backstory and just how what kind of game she ran to, to get this. Um, and by game, I mean, like, you know, how did she get the word out? You know, building a campaign apparatus as a first-time candidate is pretty hard. Um, there's so many things you don't know, and you don't know that you don't know them until you're doing it. So um, I, I knew very little about this race, but in the lead up to this, to preparing for this, I kind of read as much as I could. And she seems like an interesting person. She's a, a CPS uh, social worker. Um, and then Bill Conway, uh, former uh, Cook County State's attorney candidate, is now the uh, 34th Ward Alderman. Uh, he won outright uh, Tuesday night against uh, a real estate broker named Jim Ascot.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, I had some fun with that. Yesterday's guest was uh, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, alderman mm-hmm. of the 35th Ward. Uh, and uh, so follow me on this. Um, this is my favorite lines here, Rachel. Uh, city council is just like not much different than a high school a cafeteria. Yeah, there's different cliques. Uh, there's all kinds of mean girls and bullies, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, and... Really, if you want to understand the dynamics of the city council, just think back to your high school days. (laughs) Uh, And (laughs) that's kind of how I view it. Um, I think actually that, metaphor applies to a lot of things, uh, workplace as well, but <laughs> let's, um, move on from the metaphor. Uh, Carlos is the 35th ward. will sit, uh, n- next to uh, Bill Conway, the 34th ward. And really interesting contrasts that, uh, in those two, Bill Conway ran against Kim Fox, uh, in 2020, yep. uh, it was sort of a prelude to the Paul Valle's campaign in many ways said we had gone too far. Uh, we were too lax in terms of how we deal, uh, with, um, criminals and uh kim fox was too permissive and as a result crime is rising and then of course they had the jesse smollett case uh to wave around it's funny how that one's all but forgotten these days mm-hmm. even though it's still staggering on yeah. uh so i just get a, such a kick out of the fact that bill conway and carlos was sitting next to each other carlos said they he's they get along on a personal level they'll, they'll be fine sitting next to each other yeah. but interesting yeah. thing i love this part his seatmate for all these years was Carrie Austin and the 34th ward following this, Rachel, as it's now con- uh, constituted or in the previous map was a South side war.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, and when they redid the maps, they because of the falling South black South. population, her war got chopped off. She had been indicted. So it was like she wasn't going to run for reelection anyway. Yeah. She was the person who had to fall on the sword uh, and just, A seat may is Carrie Austin, who's so old school. Chicago, just like so old school. You know what I mean? Her husband was an alderman. Her family's on the payroll. You know, to Bill Conway, who's the son of like this Carlisle Investment Corporation. I'm like. Carlos, you really got quite a seatmate situation there, you know? <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, it's the dynamics of the city council. It's going to be so interesting. Let's, let's say for a moment, Paul Ballas is victorious. So many lefties were victorious in this. La- it blew my mind. I had Jesse was on as a guest for the 26th Ward. Okay. She's a lefty. She won without a runoff. Rosanna Rodriguez won re-election without a runoff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh Carlos didn't even have an opponent. Matt Martin didn't have an opponent. JT was victorious. Jeanette Taylor in the 20th without a runoff. I mean this I think we'll spot it too, right? Has he well he was the last I saw before we went, I looked this up, uh they were counting the mail ballots to see if he was going to have a runoff or not. Okay. He's very close, just like Jim Gardner in the 45th ward. Gotcha. Uh, so there may be a runoff, but I I I think if there is a runoff, I think Lespata's is going to mop the floor with Sam Royko. I just, I mean, I just, his, I just believe that's going to happen. So the dynamics of the city council, like if you have like a daily style Paul Vallis trying to implement, I don't know, like corporate TIF money or whatever, or downtown TIF funding and a bunch of radicals in the city council, you'll it, be interesting yeah, to put it, it mildly to see, how that play and these guys won't be rookies like they've, they've got four years of experience jt knows the game now exactly. you know yeah. and, and
2: yeah. you're not dealing with newbies who don't understand the rules of order or whatever you're you're dealing with seasoned people who yeah. you know aren't gonna let you do whatever you want they, they have their own agendas to push they have their own constituents to like to stand up for to speak for um and and i think we've seen that throughout this city council especially those photos of uh, Jeanette Taylor, Alderman Taylor in the 20th and uh, Mayor Lightfoot going toe to toe, fingers in each other's faces, like that should tell you everything you need to know. I, I don't think, you know, Alderman Taylor is somebody who's going to back down just because you're a mayor. You know, you you give respect to get respect. And I, I think that that's ultimately how these progressives and how, how the city council runs. Um, so I, I agree. It'll be interesting to see, especially if Dallas gets the job. Um, yeah, I, I wonder if, if he'll... Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be able to get things through or whatever. There are other people on the city council, but um, I think he'll definitely have a fight there.
1: Well, I, oh, I, I think he'll uh, he'll get things th- through. Lori Lightfoot got things through yeah, by and exactly, large, yeah. and one of the segments we do once a month, very proud of it. Dave Glowatz comes on from inside Chicago government. We play clips of aldermanic debates and we riff on them. Uh, and um, it's always fascinating because for the last four years, the parliamentary strategists. Uniting against Lori Lightfoot were Anthony Beale, the ninth ward, and Raymond Lopez Raylo, uh, the 15th ward. And uh, time after time, they would be point of order debates and getting into this like Byzantine rules, obscure rules of rock. I, I I can't follow them. I'm yeah. dyslexic anyway, Wait, so I'm like, trying to figure out what <laughs> so going, well, yeah, a yes yeah. vote is actually a no vote, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <Can't>, <laughs> wait, can I write that down on a cheat sheet? And yeah. uh, I, So my guess is if Paul Ballas is elected, Beal and uh, Raylo will be very much on the Paul Ballas team, okay? So who will play that role of the parliamentary expert who stands up to object you follow i guess it would be carlos ramirez rosa it would be uh uh
2: you might see uh uh, rosana rodriguez sanchez out there doing it too i think i think she would she would do that um trying to think of who else
1: Byron, byron sexual lopez Lopez.
2: yeah (laughs) speaking of guys rachel
1: (laughs) but can we i mean
2: he won without a runoff yeah and there was a lot of money being put in his race yeah by. uh the Get Stuff Done Pack, which is basically Michael Sachs and some others saying we don't we don't like these lefty progressives. We want something else. So, yeah. So for him to you know secure another term without a runoff is is I think pretty stellar. And and that lets you know what people in the ward are actually thinking. It's not it's not about the money that comes in to support some other candidate. It's no who who has been supporting us and who has shown up for us. I think that's ultimately what it means.
1: I will say this time and time again if you stand up to the man, whoever that man may be, or the woman in this case, uh, in Chicago, they will respect you. I, I, it's one thing I've learned in all my years living here. You know, Chicagoans will vote with the man or the woman. They'll go with the machine. They'll they'll elect daily, year after year, rom, this, that, the other thing. But they like a fighter. And if you stand up to whoever the power to be is you say you're doing it on behalf of the people in your ward. I'm looking at Jim Gardner in the 45th ward. In some ways it's a bizarre I guess parallel so. thing. I mean, the guy, the most abusive alderman, all his allegations, he's about to, he almost won without a runoff. I, he may have won without a runoff, but counting mail in. So Yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. That'll be an interesting one too. Just all those stories. I mean, shout out to block club for just, peeling the peeling the layer, opening the curtain on what the heck is going on there um which i mean how do you know these things or you know how how are these things written about and you still get this close to being reelected? that's a, a question i have too yeah i, uh, I don't constituent what's... services must be chef's kiss.
1: yeah or uh it's a powerful sense of identity where they just it, it, there's so much for him that whoever's against him they're against i don't it's kind of hard to understand but um it's politics in chicago all right uh we've pretty much run out of time before we leave any any stories you want to uh, promote tell people about uh anything uh any sh- shout outs you want to give the floor is yours
2: uh no real shout outs i mean illinois answers project it's the new name for Better Government Association, um, or not new name, we still have Better Government Association, they do the policy stuff, Illinois Answers Project is uh, all the stories and whatnot that people do. Um, yeah, we're doing some great work there. Shout out to Block Club. I read them every day. Block Club, Tribune, sometimes, Cash, Chicago. Um, I, I go to all those sources to be informed, maybe a little too informed. I should probably touch some grass, so.
1: Yeah, and of course, a uh, Day Doesn't Pass where she doesn't listen to the Ben Jarofsky show because that's where she really becomes
2: that's where favorite. I really get all my information. <laughs>
1: uh <laughs> It'd be
2: weird if I plugged your show on your show. I, right? n-
1: not too not too weird. Uh, <laughs> uh not too bad. Uh and you could be damn sure that won't be edited out. Actually, we don't edit anything out of the Ben Jarofsky <laughs> show, really. You know, uh, as anybody who's listening can obviously tell you. Uh rachel thank you so much for taking the time man it's way too long i'm up to bring you back on a regular basis regular but you're so good at this stuff and maybe i get that old tag team together Tina fine and rachel hinton is a lot of fun <laughs> to talk politics uh with those two so maybe i'll reach out to tina get you, get her on the next time you're on uh, your old running mate uh at uh the sun time so thanks you very much rachel hinton
2: yeah thanks for having me
1: I also want to thank producer Chris. He did an outstanding job as always. Uh, producer Chris, give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody.
0: Don't forget, you can catch previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus reviews, columns from Ben Jarofsky, and so much more at chicagoreader.com. And find your favorite Ben Jarofsky podcasts and bonus interviews on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.